2: Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
3: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. As we draw closer to Juneteenth on June 19th, the anniversary of the day when enslaved people in Texas were emancipated, two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. We offer a remarkable story of the black residents of a small town in Florida who fought for their right to vote a century ago. This three-part limited series is brought to you by Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble believes that words alone won't create change, but stories do. Seek, share, and expect the whole truth of black life. Widen the screen to widen our view.
4: They said that July Paris house was burned. I'm sure it was.
5: This oral history was recorded a few years ago with the late Mildred Board. We're hearing it courtesy of the Orange County Regional History Center. As a little girl, Ms. Board lived a few miles from Ocoe, Florida. The morning after Election Day in 1920, hundreds of black families fled the town. She remembered one woman in particular
4: talked about how they got on the railroad track and walked the railroad track. They walked so far and then maybe they had a truck, a horse and buggy, and they would pick them up along the railroad track and bring them here.
5: Almost every surviving black resident fled Ocoee after a night of horrifying attacks by white vigilantes. Their homes and churches were set on fire, a leader of the community, July Perry, was lynched. Other neighbors were shot. Estimates of the number of black people murdered that night range from four to 60. The reason for the massacre? A Coe's black residents had attempted to vote. I'm Eugene S. Robinson. You're listening to the Election Day Massacre from Aussie Media.
6: A Koe was a national and international story. And if you look in any newspaper in nineteen twenty around Election Day, you can't miss a Koei.
5: Historian Paul Ortiz, of the University of Florida.
6: The story's in the New York Times, it's in the Chicago Tribune, it's in the European press, uh, it's in the Latin American press. Um, it's an international story, in other words.
5: Newspapers called it the Ocoee Horror. But Florida's Election Day violence wasn't limited to Ocoee.
6: So there was a statewide reactionary movement against the, the Black struggle to regain right to vote. And there was violence all over the state. Um, there were gun battles, you know, there were assassinations. As far as I could tell um, in my research, the worst violence, uh, the most sustained anti black violence, you know, appeared to happen in Akoi.
1: They call for able bodied ex servicemen to come and create a perimeter around Akoi.
5: Pamela Schwartz, chief curator of the Orange County Regional History Center, put together an exhibition on the Akoi massacre
1: now, they say that's to lock down the crime scene, but it also means Black families can't go find their loved ones, get to their possessions, see what's going on.
5: The NAACP sent in an investigator, Walter Francis White, later president of the organization. In 1920, he traveled the U.S. investigating lynchings and other acts of violence against Black Americans.
7: At the time that I visited Ocoee, The last-colored family of Okoye was leaving with their goods piled high on a motor truck with six colored children on top. White children stood around and jeered the Negroes who were leaving, threatened them with burning if they did not hurry up and get away. These children thought it a huge joke that some Negroes had been burned alive.
6: Walter White comes down. Uh, He's a very light-skinned black man. He, He can pass for white. Uh, he uses the subterfuge of being a white man interested in buying orange groves in Western Orange County. And he starts talking to white people about the massacre and they tell him all sorts of details that uh, I, I personally killed or I know how many Negroes were killed. And he finds that white people are very proud about what they did on Election Day.
4: One man told him, I shot 17 Negroes. He shot 17 himself and he was bragging about it.
5: Pamela Grady is an Ocoee resident and the executive director of the July Perry Foundation.
4: There was an article in a newspaper that said, we're going to have a banquet for everyone who came and we want, we want to reward you. The one that shot the most Negroes, the one that shot the most is going to get a reward.
5: The reason the Ocoee horror made headlines is not that dozens of black people were murdered and hundreds of black families were made homeless. It was because two white members of the mob that lynched July Perry were killed during a shootout.
1: There was the coroner's inquest, which happens November 3rd and 4th. And what is found is no, unknown parties killed the white individuals. Unknown parties killed July Perry.
8: Which was a common report leading up to lynchings. We had a black victim who was in police custody. And always the result was killed that persons unknown.
5: Marvin Dunn is the author of A History of Florida Through Black Eyes.
8: When those white men took July Perry from that jail, those jailers knew every man who was in that group. Okoye was a very small town. Everybody knew everybody else.
5: Prosecutors called a grand jury in Orange County.
8: There was always a grand jury convened. There was always a grand jury convened. And who were the members of the grand jury? They would have been all white men. So the convening of the grand jury meant nothing.
5: Historian Paul Ortiz.
6: People will say, well, according to this testimony, July Perry did this with a loaded weapon, you know, and, and did that and this. And I, and I say, excuse me, whose testimony, and number one, it isn't testimony, it's hearsay. Whose hearsay are you, are you depending upon? Were they white? Oh, yes. Well, come on now. (laughs) Come please.
1: One of the biggest mysteries is that a grand jury was conducted and there was some 13 or 14 witnesses, only one black man, 13 or 14 witnesses. And that's missing. It's not in anybody's files anywhere. So there's a lot of things, a lot of records that should have been kept that weren't.
5: The grand jury found, quote, no evidence against any one or group of individuals as to who perpetrated the fatalities.
6: Again, I want us to be
5: cautious
6: about relying on the words of white leaders, be they in the Chamber of Commerce or political officials or whatever, because they have a vested interest in gerrymandering the story To make it appear as if July Perry is this crazy Negro, and that's how they they refer to him. Things would have been fine if it wasn't for this crazy Negro.
5: The grand jury did exonerate the only people who were imprisoned after Election Day. July Perry's wife and daughter, Estelle and Caritha. Walter White concluded that more than 30 Black residents of Okoe were murdered on Election Day. Other estimates put that number as high as 60. The NAACP sent White's damning report to Congress.
6: When the NAACP goes before the House Census Committee uh, when Congress convenes in 1921, you know, Florida is case number one.
5: Walter White had gathered affidavits, statistics, photographs, and witness testimony.
6: And so the NAACP uh, presents all this amazing evidence before the Census Committee in 1921 about fraud and corruption and anti-Black violence, including a coe.
7: This is not merely a question of the Negro, by any means.
5: James Weldon Johnson, the NAACP's executive secretary, was a Floridian born in Jacksonville. He, too, would one day be president of the NAACP. He was an attorney and also the poet who wrote the lyrics to Lift Every Voice and Sing. He told the committee that the suppression of Black voters in the South undermine democracy across the entire nation.
7: It is a question of Republican government and the fundamentals of American democracy. It is a question which is either going to come to this Congress or to some other Congress in the future, and with increasing force every time it comes up. And it seems to me it is better to pass on the question fairly and squarely and justly today and not wait until some unknown tomorrow.
5: But wait is exactly what Congress did. Northern congressmen are in
6: the committee and they're like, well, I mean, I don't support Negro suffrage, do you? Talking to their colleague, you know, Negroes don't vote where I, where I am. Why should they have to do that in Florida? We wouldn't put up with that.
5: The Bureau of Investigation, later named the FBI, launched an inquiry into Coe, but it was limited.
1: Was the state local governments suppressing Black voters. That is what this thing is about. Not about murder, not about terror, not about arson. It is about election fraud.
5: The Bureau of Investigation found that there was quote, no attempt to intimidate any Negroes in the casting of their ballots and that there was no interference with the voting of qualified Negroes.
1: Walter White is not able as much research and work as he does. And he, he puts his own life on the line time and again in Central Florida to try to bring visibility to these um, these stories uh, and these these events and ultimately really doesn't get much of anywhere with them.
6: I mean, basically, you know, white supremacy gets another four decades um, of, of, of life. That's really the most important you know, kind of outcome, uh, politically speaking.
5: It's believed that not a single Black citizen of Orange County voted for nearly two decades after the massacre. And not a single white person was ever charged with the crime.
1: Nobody's ever held responsible in any way, shape or form for what happens at Okoe.
3: This three-part limited series is brought to you by Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble believes that words alone won't create change, but stories do. Seek, share, and expect the whole truth of black life. Widen the screen to widen our view.
2: Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
6: Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California?
4: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
5: Black residents continued to flee Ocoee in the months and years that followed the massacre.
1: July Perry's brother-in-law a year later. They find him the next day, beaten within an ounce of his life, stripped, painted red and white striped with a bag over his head tied to a pole. He survives. He says that the aggressors told him he had been talking a little bit too much about what had happened at Ocoee last November. The
5: 1920 census listed 255 Black residents of Ocoee. By 1930, there were only two, both house servants.
8: A lot of folks lost their profits because they didn't, they weren't there to pay their taxes.
5: Historian Marvin Dunn.
8: So a lot of the orange groves that were owned by Blacks were taken over in that way.
5: Within two weeks of the Election Day massacre, there are advertisements in Orlando and Miami newspapers. Orange groves for sale in Ocoee, including July Perry's.
1: It says, beautiful little groves of the Negroes who just fled CoE." That's what it said in the newspaper. Beautiful little groves of the Negroes who just fled Ocoee. That was supposed to be attractive to people.
5: The ad was placed by Blueford Sims, one of the founders of the town of Ocoee. He was appointed by a local court to execute the estate of July Perry. A black Ocoee resident, Mrs. J. H. Hameter, wrote to a friend a few weeks later.
1: The people on the south of town are being threatened that they must sell out and leave or they will be shot and burned as the others have been. It seems to have been a prearranged affair, to kill and drive the colored people from their homes as they were
4: more prosperous than the white folks. So they are hoping to get their homes for nothing.
8: Economic conditions were often an underlying factor in race riots. I don't know of a race riot that took place in a poor black area uh, during this period.
5: Before 1920, the black community in Okoe was thriving. July Perry and his friend Mose Norman, who had tried to vote on Election Day, were prosperous citizens.
8: And there were jealousies among whites about, about some of that, and particularly how uh, July Perry and Mose Norman uh, showed their wealth. They had fine cars, they owned land, they had nice homes, and that really riled some whites in Okoe leading up to this event.
5: The exhibition at the Orange County Regional History Center mapped the growth of Black land ownership around Dakoe and then its disappearance.
1: So you see this 30-year slow rise in prosperity. And then as you scroll away from November 1920, you come up to 1930. By 1926, all the properties have gone back to white ownership. So 30 years, you see this like popping up prosperity. And then in just six years, it's wiped out.
5: Many black Okoe residents, including the Perry family, tried for years to get their property back. The Perrys discovered that the deed had been restricted. No black person could buy the land. In
1: 1924, Estelle and Caritha and family sue. Well, they 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 asked the courts, they say, we need an accounting of what happened here. Like, where's the money? It's it's been four years. At the end, when all is said and done, 12 years later, 12 years later, 1932, the seven or so descendants of July Perry receive and roughly $126 each for over 30 acres of land, all of their personal property and the death of their patriarch. That 12 years they fight to get $126 each.
5: And the properties that changed hands weren't scrubland or gravel patches. They're orange groves and farming lands and lakeside property, just a dozen miles from the spot where, decades later, a new resort would stand, Disney World. All of the land
1: that had been owned by Black landowners at the time of the massacre, that was taken over the next six to seven years, it wasn't immediate, like the story's always gone, but over the next six years, is worth well over $9 million today. And to tell a descendant who should have inherited those lands, could have inherited those lands, that that's, they could have been millionaires <laughs> is a, a really, really difficult thing.
6: What these massacres and, and, and pogroms are all about is that the attempt among white business supremacy to roll back black economic, social and political gains. It's redistribution of black wealth into white hands is really what happens. And this is what makes Ochoa, um almost a mundane story in 1920, because it's happening
5: everywhere. One of the most disturbing aspects of the Ocoee massacre is that it was not an isolated event. In the next few years, Ocoee became a template for horrendous violence other white communities terrorized their black neighbors and then stole their properties again and again
6: we know that there continues to be violence and anti-black lynching in adjacent counties kind of secondary effects of the accoy massacre uh, there's a notorious uh, lynching case in Kissimmee in 1923 which which we think is connected to to the accoy massacre in some ways and it happens in Tulsa, it happens in East St. Louis, it happens in Chicago, it happens in Longview, Texas, It later it happens in Rosewood. And that's another theme which ties Ocoee to today, this question of, you know, where did that Black land go? You know, in many cases, Black people were driven out by terror tactics.
1: The terror continues and continues and continues until it drives the Black community out for a half of a century. From 1926 up until around 1976, there are no documented that we're aware of Black individuals living and residing in a COE. You know, where
4: did everybody go?
5: Pamela Grady.
4: And then you look for the families and the histories and you try to find where they are today and you can't find people. You can't find people. I'm, I'm still doing research. You can't find them. they just lost and gone.
5: Marvin Dunn, author of A History of Florida Through Black Eyes.
8: It was buried. It was not talked about. It was not in the newspapers after the event was over. It was certainly not in textbooks. So like many other race riots and massacres in the South and in Florida, once the events left the the front pages of the newspapers, uh, they were buried. People didn't talk about them.
1: We know that there was an ongoing attempt to cover up this event, to quiet this event, to get people to stop talking about what had happened. Because what happens when people talk? the truth, the facts start to come out and become known.
5: For decades, black folks in central Florida knew that something very bad had happened in Ocoee, not just that it was a sundown town where they were not welcome after dark, but that there were other grave reasons to stay away. Then descendants of the victims began trying to learn more about the terrible stories handed down in their families. Students did research. Over the decades, groups of Orange County residents investigated the rumors and conducted oral histories.
10: Today's event would not be possible without the decades of community work by such grassroots groups as the Democracy Forum and the West Orange Reconciliation Task Force, which began to excavate the history in 1997.
5: The Democracy Forum the West Orange Reconciliation Task Force, the July Perry Foundation, all pieced the story together.
4: We have a deep research team and we are uncovering where a lot of this land is at. It's just a tedious process because you have to go bit by bit and undercover. You know, you gotta go through obituaries and and, and estates and sales and all that people die. And you can't a wonder, where would these families be had they had had this generational wealth that was stripped from them? In
5: 2002, July Perry's body was located in an unmarked grave.
0: It was discovered in Orlando at a um, cemetery there.
5: July Perry's great-grandson, Pastor Stephen Nunn.
0: And so we went back, my mom, my dad, and I, and we um, they had a um, memorial service there at the grave site.
5: Eight decades after July Perry was lynched, his grandchildren and great-grandchildren returned to Ocoee.
0: Yeah, when we finally started taking certain turns in certain streets uh, to finally get into the uh, area where we uh, um, later ended up, quickly I was like, wow, this is not Disney World. This is definitely not Disney World. (laughs) Um, And then it hit. It was like, wow. So now in my head, I could see white sheets. I could see guns. I could see extreme racism. I could see an area that still had a boy, mister kind of mindset and some of the spirited people. It was crystal clear to me at that point.
5: Just a few yards away from July Perry's grave in Orlando's Greenwood Cemetery lies the grave of Sam Salisbury, the man who led the mob to Perry's house. Salisbury's grave is topped by a monument and surrounded by the graves of his family and descendants. July Perry's grave stands alone
4: good morning orlando community welcome to the historical marking unveiling for july perry it has been a long road to this day to get here
5: it took almost a century for a public remembrance of july perry
10: the sacrifice of mr perry so that african americans could vote is a dark and deadly part of our history, and one that will not be forgotten.
5: Jerry Demings is the first black mayor of Orange County. His wife, Val Demings, is a member of the United States Congress.
10: But I want to be clear this morning that I have no illusions or delusions that anything that we do here today will right the wrongs of a racist past. But what we can do, what we can do, is respect the attempt.
11: What's interesting is so many of my colleagues have never even heard of the story.
5: State Senator Randolph Bracey's district includes central and northwest Orange County. He introduced a bill in the Florida legislature to require that schools teach children about the Ocoee massacre. A version passed minus a provision to pay reparations to the descendants of the victims.
11: As we move the bill forward and it was talked about, debated, and um, they're gaining support for it, there were some colleagues of mine that said, hey, I think we should look at reparations even on the, the Republican side. So I think there is an opportunity to, to look at that again. And it's something I'll be pushing.
5: Some of the descendants of the Ocoee victims are also fighting for reparations. Janice Nelson is July Perry's great-granddaughter and vice president of the July Perry Foundation.
10: The scripture says, thou shall not steal. They stole it and they need to give it back.
5: A century after the Ocoee massacre in another presidential election year, the ACOE descendants and activists and historians are thinking about what still hasn't changed.
6: We're back at this moment where ACOE becomes more important than ever.
5: Historian Paul Ortiz.
6: Black people are still trying to register to vote. White authorities are trying to find different ways to keep them from voting. Supervisors of elections, secretaries of state, scheming on ways to try to prevent them from participating in the democratic system.
8: Florida is still uh, actively involved in voter suppression.
5: Historian Marvin Dunn.
8: Overwhelming majority of Floridians, white and black, voted for ex-felons to be able to to vote. The Florida State Legislature comes back immediately and passes a law that says all these ex-felons must pay all their restitution and court costs before they can vote. So they were immediately
5: re-disenfranchised. Pamela Grady of the July Perry Foundation.
4: I look at right now, the times that we're in right now and how important it is to vote, you know, and how important, how much went in for, you know, us to have that right to vote. We, we, we take it so lightly.
5: The town of Ocoee is a modern, diverse community, but there are remnants of the past. One of the main streets in town is named for Blueford Sims, the white man who sold July Perry's land after he was lynched. But in the 100th anniversary year of his death, another road in Ocoee, a state highway is being renamed. The Julius July Perry Memorial Highway.
11: I think he's a hero, absolutely. Absolutely, obviously he was overcome and lynched, but we're still talking about him 100 years later. So I think in that context, in that time period, the life that he lived, the businessman that he was, and to have the boldness to do what he did, uh, I think it—it's it, heroic. It's really—it really is.
4: So, July Perry had to be had to have been an awesome man, and I still can still you know tear up thinking about it. How what an amazing man this was that was that was gunned down, lynched, drugged, and tortured all for having the courage, the mm. courage to stand up and fight for a cause and, 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 and to put others first, you know. So July Perry deserves to be honored. The legacy of him deserves to be um, always remembered throughout the rest of time. Our children need to know this rich history. Our grandchildren need to know. Okay, good morning. Good morning, children. Good morning. This morning we will start our program with a musical solo of the National Black Anthem.
10: We must not forget the sacrifice of July Perry, his family and other African-Americans killed in this horrific massacre, as we stand here today to honor their memory.
11: I think it's important to acknowledge the history and the legacy of July Perry be celebrated for for the risk that he took, because we're still fighting the same fight and he was bold enough to, to try to make changes 100 years ago.
5: This episode of Flashback, the Election Day Massacre, was written by Sean Braswell and voiced by me, Eugene S. Robinson. It was produced by Maeve McGoran and Iore Odigizua. Chris Hoff engineered our show.
3: Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
9: Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.
6: Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A Redwood Forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California?
2: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at VisitCalifornia.com.